Since death came through a man, resurrection must also come through a man. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good Monday morning, my friends. I hope your weekend was a good one. Uh, we are picking up today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Going to be looking at verses 20 through 28. Um, please understand that there's such rich content in this passage um, that we will not be able to um, adequately, theologically unpack it all. We want to do a quality survey of what Paul says here. Uh, but I believe someone <laughs> who was devoted to um, the study of Christian theology in a professional sense could make a career out of studying these eight verses. And so we realize that we will be trying to glean what we can in the moments that we have together. But this is not a, a thorough and exhaustive look at this passage. Um, there is so much here. And so that's my warning label as we begin. Uh, we will not uh, be able to cover this in as adequate a way uh, as I would like, but um, we'll trust that the Spirit will give us insights that will be helpful to us. As we prepare to study today, let's go before the Father. Heavenly Father, we love you. We give you thanks for a new start on this fresh Monday. Uh, Lord, we trust you once again as the week begins to lead us into it. Uh, we know, Lord God, you're going to open opportunities for us to share faith and to speak truth and to pray and to express your love to others. And we pray that we would have the courage to do that and the wisdom to know when we're in a situation when it's right for us to do that. Um, and so we give you thanks, Father, that you're going to open those opportunities before us. And we pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. Uh, when we're in those situations. We pray also, Lord God, for our study of your word this week, that our hearts would be open uh, to learn and grow, that your spirit would be faithful to bring new insight and understanding. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty through 28. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man... The resurrection of the dead must also come through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now you'll remember on Friday, uh, Paul was beginning this section of his teaching on the resurrection, and this section is the resurrection of the dead at the end of time, uh, once the reign of Christ has been completed. Uh, and Paul begins this discussion uh, by saying, if there is no resurrection of the dead, as some of you are saying that there is no resurrection, uh, then uh, those who are asleep in Christ are lost 
if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And uh, so Paul says, if that's our position, we're in big trouble. And then as we begin in 20, he turns the uh, tone of the teaching around and speaks in the affirmative by saying, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so and on the front end, 12 through 19, he's making the argument, let's just suppose you're right, you people that say there's no resurrection, and let's, let's see where that takes us. And so that goes in the, in the negative tone. And then uh, 20 begins with the positive upswing back toward the affirmative. Um, but indeed, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Uh, then he goes into uh, the theological argument uh, on the basis of uh, the Old Covenant moving into the New Covenant. He says, for since death came through a man, that would be Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, that's Jesus. Um, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Now we know that that all is not a universal inclusive all. It includes those who come to faith in Christ and profess him as Lord and Savior. Uh, Paul is no universalist. Um, when he talks about all, he's talking about all of the elect, all of those who come to faith in Christ, uh, who are members of the family of God in Christ. Um, and so in Christ, all who believe will be made alive. But each in turn... Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So Jesus, of course, is raised first, and we see that in the story of his resurrection from the Gospels. And we have the promise that we too will be raised to new life um, at his return. He goes on in 24, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. So Jesus' objective in his reign will be to put everything that challenges his authority under his foot. Mostly we know that to be Satan, the enemy of God, uh, that he will put Satan and his minions and his earthly uh, minions under his feet and uh, crush every competing power and authority. And then uh, Paul says we know that Christ must reign until he's done this. Uh, till the very last, until the very last enemy, death, is destroyed. And so he waits on destroying death until the end. So once all of the spiritual and earthly powers have been put under his feet, then uh, the resurrection, then death will be put to death. Uh, I love the implications of that. And for those of us who believe, uh, that is a powerful truth that we cling to, that we will have eternal life with God in Christ, uh, in heaven someday, in uh, paradise, in the, in the perfect realm of God. Um, and so uh, Paul moves on. <clears throat> For he has put everything under his feet. There is no power that is not subject to the power of Christ. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it's clear that this does not include God. Now, Paul wants to be sure that people understand that Jesus himself is operating in the authority that God has given him, that God has chosen to put everything under Christ. And so the only authority 
that Jesus uh, will not make subject to himself is God the Father. Uh, God dispensed his authority and has put everything under Christ. And that was an act of God's volition. Uh, In 28, Paul says, when he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Now, even Jesus being fully God um, chooses to be subject to, chooses to surrender authority to God the Father. And uh, so even in the Trinity, there is an order, uh, and that order is the all-powerful God, God Almighty, God the Father, uh, God the Son, under whom all things are subject in the Father's authority, in Christ, and then God, the Holy Spirit, the presence, the spiritual presence of God alive all around us in the world and alive in us as he takes residence in our hearts. And so um, there is definitely that order of priority in the Godhead, and Paul maintains that here. Verse 28, Paul says, When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now, um, God can only be all in all in the hearts of those who bend their will to his will in the hearts of those who subject themselves to his authority, uh, in the hearts of those who surrender uh, to God's lordship and leadership. And there is an act of human volition, uh, I think prompted by the invisible workings of the Holy Spirit, leading one to faith, so that at that point of faith, one willingly makes the choice one willingly subjects, one willingly surrenders and submits themselves to God and God's purposes uh, so that it's the Spirit of God working in us, conquering our will so that we become subject to the will of God. And when we are subject to the will of God, God may be all in all in us. He becomes our all in all. We no longer fight against his authority. We no longer uh, question or challenge God's ways We understand, as the psalmist says, that God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher. His ways are beyond us. We can't possibly contemplate uh, the things of God in fullness because we don't have the mind of God. Your ways are not my ways, O God. And so he becomes our all in all, and we put our full trust in him. All right, my friends, great teaching from Paul today. Good and challenging stuff again. We're about ten and a half minutes in, and we have only scratched the surface. As I said earlier, someone could spend their whole career as a Christian theologian unpacking the rich content of this passage. Uh, But there's some good stuff here, and thanks for taking time out of your day to study with us. God bless you as you continue to consider these words today.